This episode of the Boss Rush Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the Boss Rush family of podcasts, head to bossrush.net or our Patreon at patreon.com slash bossrushmedia. Thanks for helping us build something better. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Boss Rush Podcast, a great place to play games and be better. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Deering, and alongside me this evening is none other than the mad pharmacist herself, Stephanie Klimov. Man, I almost thought you were going to introduce me as the BC Muscle Race, but thankfully not. Sorry. But hey, best night of the week. I'm here. I know. It's, uh, yeah, Laurent's not here. He's been working really hard and doing a lot of you know life things, so he, you, he, gets, he gets the night off. Lucky bastard. Yeah. Oh. Well, you just said you were happy to be here. Are you happy? Or are you wishing you weren't here? I don't know. No. Pat, I'm just you know, we're gonna Pat's a new permanent fixture. You guys are both gone. It's just me and Pat now. Not just also, Pat. Yeah. PK Power. Excuse I me. Know. Get it right. I'm getting there. Uh, also joining us is none other than PK Power himself, Pat Klein. Hello, everyone. I have permanently affixed myself in Laurent's spot. You have. Getting rid of the PC though, that's taking too much room. Yeah. First you guys look like you guys look identical. So yeah. couldn't tell you guys apart. Basically brothers. Yeah. It, it, it's the nose. I think we have the same kind of nose. Yep. That's it. That's gotta that's be it. it. Uh yeah, Pat, glad you're here. Um Thanks for having me. Gotta have you around these parts more often. Uh, so yeah, we uh so we have a we have a we have a special guest tonight. Um an indie game developer. Uh, I was, I was so early in the process. I would say, of kind of us wanting to have more guests on, and specifically in the indie realm, since that's kind of where our audience lies, and kind of what most of most you know Stephanie loves indie games. And uh, I just looked up hashtag indie games, and I was just scrolling on Twitter for like I don't know, probably fifteen minutes, just like okay, I'll I'll follow this person this person i saw i saw the coolest game like it looks like a cross between like cross or a cross code and uh unsighted and um uh, uh sea of stars it, it has like this look this combination and animation of all these things so we have uh richard bahari the uh uh creator of of awakening the the developer i i so this is this is you. This whole thing is new to me. I just I literally the stuff that you're posting on Twitter is what drew me to the game. I know nothing else. I don't know if you have a team, but anyways, Richard Bahari's here. Hello, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really honored to to be here today. Um, I'm a, an indie developer. Uh, I guess part time indie developer from Canada. Um, and I, I'm currently working on on a, a side hustle, uh, which is uh, which is called a Project Awakening for right now. It's it's cool. You sent me you sent me the logo for for our thumbnail. It's I I gotta say this the the pixel art and animation at least on your Twitter and stuff is is incredible. Like, are are you are you doing this by yourself? Is this a solo thing? 
Um, I, I've been I've been blessed uh, working on this project. I've been working on it for a long time, um, and it's 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 kind of a mix right now because as I was working on this project, um, there's some art that is my own creation, um, but I quickly learned that it's very difficult to do to make video games. It's very difficult, and uh, to do everything by yourself, it's it takes dedication. So uh, most of the pixel art that you see uh, is not mine. Uh, it's actually uh, contractors that I've hired to to create this uh, based on some of the original art that I created. Well, I, I think I th I think the game looks awesome. Like like I said, like the, the first time I saw it. Uh, one of my favorite indie games of the last couple of years was uh, CrossCode, yeah. and it really reminded me of CrossCode, like the the art. And then, you know, some of the the combat animations kind of remind me of like, oh, this is kind of like Zelda esque, or you know, some of these old school action RPGs. Like it, it just looks cool, I, and that's that's why I wanted to have you on. This is this is cool. So, like, what what prompted this? Like, I, I mean, I don't know if are are you in, are you a developer by trade or is I mean are, are you also a developer during the day or is this just like a I want to try something new type thing? Uh, no, it, I, you know it's actually been a dream of mine to make a game. Uh, when I when I was eighteen, I remember I was playing Final Fantasy Eleven. It's a it's an MMO uh, for those who don't mm -hmm. know, and I was. I was playing this game, playing this game, and I probably spent like 16 hours a day. You know, I was 18. I didn't really have, I didn't have a job and I would play this game and I'm just like, man, you know, I really want to make something of my own, but I didn't have the skills. The, the, the technology back then was, was very difficult as well. Um, and so I went to school and did IT because that's, you know, that's what people do. They, 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 uh, I had a mentor at that time and he kind of guided me into, into it. And, um, so I was a programmer and I really didn't like web development or programming in, in, in an industry. So that's what I'm doing now, unfortunately, but, um, it's what I do now is, uh, I, I kind of, I work for, uh, Bell Canada and, uh, I do, disaster recovery and data protection uh, in addition to sand management. So it's, it's kind of, it's really boring to me, to me, uh, game development is what I, what my passion is. Um, but fortunately my job um, allows me to do indie development on the side. Uh, so I can do it indefinitely uh, as long as I have the drive and motivation to kind of uh, to do it. So um, I really, I really love, I really love that. That's so cool. Pat, so, were you going to jump in? Yeah, uh, Richard. Uh, so I've taken a look at this. This game does actually look pretty neat. To me, it reminds me of Secret of Mana. Was that like an inspiration to this game? Like the character sprites kind of look like, uh, you know, kind of have that uh, more fluid animation that Secret of Mana had back in this uh, Super Nintendo days. Yeah, Saiken Densetsu 3 was definitely one of the, the major inspirations. Um, when I first started doing game development, I had no idea what to do. And I was I was using Game Maker Studio, and I was very happy just kind of getting some sprites on the screen to move around. 
Um, so the first game that I ever made, the first prototype I ever made was uh, a Saiken Densetsu 3 remake. Um, nice. It turned out pretty good. It turned out pretty good. And that's Square kind of purchased it and made it for the PlayStation 4. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was you, right? <laughs> yeah. Trials of Man is great. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, what are you using? Are you still using Game Maker for this um, as your building, as your engine platform? Um, no. I, I actually switched off Game Maker. And moved on to Unity. Um, the main the main purpose for that was, as I was kind of like learning on Game Maker, the inexperience of programming and building a, a larger project, um, kind of like made a lot of bottlenecks in terms of development. So I decided to uh, switch to, to to Unity to do the development, partly because the asset store. And because it's way easier to onboard people into Unity than, than anything else. So in my current project, uh, Project Awakening, it, uh, I've been lucky enough to get two team members onto, onto my team, one for, for marketing and then one for, for business. Um, so we, we branded a new studio to, uh, to kind of take this on. But it's, it's rebuilt in Unity. Nice. So like what... Tell, tell us about Project Awakening. Like, what is kind of the main, like, plot behind it? Like, what's it about? So we're, we're, actually, we're actually doing um, an application for CMF, uh, which is the, the Canadian Media Fund. And, and part of that application is defining what exactly the project is about um, and, and coming up with some, some very concrete um, timelines and and what like what makes a game um, so a awakening right now is a, a retro style um, action RPG with roguelite elements and uh, two playable characters so that's kind of the sales the sales pitch um, it's in terms of a story it's it's basically about um, what, it, what, what does it mean to be a hero? Uh, and so the, the, the game premise is to challenge um, the general RPG um, model of killing everything and collecting items. So in this game, you can actually beat it uh, without killing anything, um, similar to Undertale. Nice, pacifist route. That's pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah. That's Can cool. you do vice versa and then also do the genocide route with it Absolutely. Too? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I want to ask about the, the engine question. So you said you rebuilt this whole thing in, in Unity. Is there a reason why you chose Unity over something like Unreal? I, I mean, I, I just know those are kind of like the big kind of quote unquote people who don't have their own engine use these two so is there a reason why you picked unity over unreal does unity offer any perks similar to unreal i don't really know um yeah unity unity and unreal they they do a lot of the, the same things i mean um unity is very good because it allows for 2d and 3d like a blend and 
Uh, Unreal, I believe, is just 3D. Uh, so for me, in my comfort level and what I'm actually capable of doing, uh, I, I chose Unity just because I'm more familiar with C Sharp and, um, and, and the engine itself. I spent a lot of time just kind of learning. Um, so that, that's why I chose it. But I know that uh, with, okay. with Unreal is kind of like the industry standard now. Um, yeah, I, I was just curious. You know, I know some people prefer Unity over Unreal for specific things, especially in a like a 2D game. I think a lot of people prefer uh, Unity, especially for pixel-based uh, 2D games. So uh, I was just curious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to – let's dive into some questions from our community. Uh, <laughs> we uh, – <laughs> Wadaberry uh, asks a ton of questions. Uh, she she asks where where do you see your game and yourself five years from now? Like, it, I I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that and ask like, are you do you see yourself like trying to put this on everything? Do you see yourself trying to explore a Game Pass slash PS Plus route? Like, I, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you kind of just want to get this game finished and out the door and say you made a game and that would be amazing as well. But, uh, have you thought about stuff like that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, right now, uh, the goal is to get it out on PC aiming for like a steam release. Um, so right now we're kind of working on getting a steam page up and there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot, to to kind of getting a, a like a very good Steam page, but in a couple of years, the the goal would be to release it on Steam, and if it's successful, if there's there's motivation and drive for you know more, the the idea would be to to release it on 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 Switch, and that's my that's the that's the target platform of choice because I love Switch, uh, and uh, and mm -hmm. PlayStation uh, and Xbox probably last. Uh, I know Corey might be hard, hard to hear that, but uh, um, <laughs> Xbox, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, but the goal—the goal would be to release it on every platform, uh, if if possible. Yeah. 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 This seems—I mean, this this seems like the type of game that would exist and thrive on on Switch or whatever Nintendo plans on doing within the next couple of years. Uh, unfortunately the switch is probably coming to the end of its life cycle in the next yeah, yeah. 18 to 24 months uh and so i i mean i would imagine it it would be really hard for me to imagine a world where nintendo doesn't attempt just a more powerful version of this console and that things are, like your digital purchases are backwards compatible at least right sure. uh God, so, so that would suck to lose the entire Switch library with the new I, system. Oh, you mean like uh, the Wii U and the 3DS? <laughs> yeah, sure. I was there. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I would imagine something like this existing on Steam Deck would probably be awesome, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a Steam Deck. I'm very non-PC uh, gamer. So uh, I refuse. Just That's kidding. why you have uh, Laron. I know, uh, but uh, she she also asked what what uh, has been the biggest lesson in your experience as an indie uh, as an indie she says publisher but developer really. Uh, I I guess publisher too. Are you going to self publish? Are you have you talked to anybody about publishing? Like 
I mean, I don't know if you're that far in development or not yet. Um, as of now, I want to do self, uh, like a self-publish, uh, mainly because I want the, the, this is my baby, and uh, I don't want anybody to take away mm-hmm. any creative, uh, creative rights or like force me to do something that, uh, you know, I'm not really wanting to do. Um, so, so part of it, part of it is that, 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 that that's the goal to, to get it out the door, um, either on personal funds or right now. We're like I said, we're doing uh, an application to the Canadian Media Fund to 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 get some 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 money from them. That's cool. I I I know Canada offers a lot for game developers, especially independent uh, developers. Is that like is that a driving force behind continuing this project too? I mean, hope. I I don't really know how all that works. I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so essentially, the way that it works is with the Canadian Media Fund, they they give money for uh, all different stages of development. So there's conceptualization. So if you don't, if you just have a, a project idea, but you don't have any artwork, you don't have any framework for it, you just have an idea, um, the Canadian Media Fund will pay you $10,000. Um, obviously this is Canadian, so it's not, uh, not that much if you have to, if you have to pay, uh, in American, uh, but, uh, they'll give you 10, 10 grand, uh, to create a concept for a project. If you already have a, a concept created, um, you can apply for the prototyping, um, program, which will give you up to $250,000. Um, which obviously is, is a lot of money to to fund a game. And if you are successful with that, you can also go to uh, a production uh, program, which grants you up to $1.2 million in development. So this will cover costs oh, wow. for, for just about everything. Um, and uh, But the, there, there are some, some caveats to that. You do need to be incorporated. So as of now, we are we are branded uh, Super Ultra Smash Studios, um, and uh, yeah, so we, we're we're applying for that right now. Cool, awesome. Uh, yeah, that's that's cool. I the 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 business like it's weird because I I mean games are where kind of where like business meets the art, right? And that's the you know obviously a lot of AAA games kind of feel more pressure to get games out and deal with the business side of stuff, whereas indie games have a little bit more flexibility, but it's always fascinating to hear the different steps indie developers can take to get their game out the door. Cause uh, you know, sometimes you hear uh, some of these, uh, some of these studios, like uh, I always forget the studio's name, the, the studio behind Blossom Tales. Uh, their story was like, they developed it and they put it out on steam and they were like, scrounging uh, you know quote unquote scrounging for pennies to publish it on switch and the switch version saved their company right mm-hmm. so they can make the sequel which was an incredible story um so it's it's always fascinating to hear these in like the in the indie stories you know and uh the one of the one of the sadder ones uh is uh max in the cur- cursed uh brotherhood i think is what it's called mm-hmm. uh the curse of brotherhood like that studio got funding from Microsoft and they Microsoft published it, published the first run of the game. And then once they got it out on other platforms, they 
had to shut the studio down because Microsoft owned the IP and they didn't have the rights to make the sequel. Uh, this was like early Xbox One before Game Pass even existed. Uh, but that was like one of the sadder ones. So like the the fact that you want to keep creative control, I think, especially for someone who likes to consider himself a little bit creative somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in life I was at one point. Uh, the fact that you don't have to, you know, hand over any of those rights or anything is pretty important. I think, especially when you're building a studio that's that if this game is a, a smash hit, like that's going to be your identity, right? It's like, it's almost like yacht club with shovel Knight. ultra smash hit. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, ah, I see what get, you did get, there. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, and like Yacht Club, right? Like their their whole identity of that studio, no matter what they do from here on out, their brand identity is going to be Shovel Knight. So like, sure. you know, this, you know, your your game's going to be your identity if it's a smash hit forever, you know? So. Yeah, um, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of studios that are, are, are really awesome. Like, um, who, who are the creators of The Messenger and the Sea of Stars? Um, sabotage sabotage mm-hmm. yeah like they're they they are canadian too they're in from montreal and they did like some amazing amazing work with the messenger and from that mm-hmm. like they applied for kickstarter had a million dollar uh campaign for kickstarter and then they went and they applied for cmf and then they got the cmf funding probably for a million dollars too which is am- like amazing like they're the the work that they that they did on that is just crazy um and you can see it in in the quality of of like every trailer every every teaser that they have there it's just it's it's something to inspire to yeah they're uh they're a great studio um I'm... they're self-publishing sea of stars right yes yeah yeah because the original was uh the messenger was developed or not developed, produced uh by a devolver so mm-hmm. and i know they weren't attached to this one that's uh that's pretty neat yeah definitely accomplishment yeah um yeah so i uh i think i i think your game like what drew me to is because it kind of looks a little bit like sea of stars and i i think that's a credit to (laughs) your your design team because i mean it looks like that's my favorite part of what i mean obviously i've seen very little of your game just what you've posted really but that's what drew me to it was the way it looked and the way the combat looked. And there was one little animation where uh, a character was walking down some stairs and broke a pot. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's just the coolest animation. <laughs> it's just such a cool animation. Um, and then you posted like a side by side of like the old way, the pot broke and a new way that the pot broke. And it was like, that was super, that was super cool too, to see how animation progresses. And I really like when studios do that, you know, for sure. Um, for sure. It's it's hard to see sometimes because as like I'm a part-time, I'm a part-time developer, right? So I work I do work a full-time job. So sometimes I see the same thing over and over and over for weeks and months on end. And uh, you know, sometimes it's very hard to see the differences between what happened, mm-hmm. what like what's been going on from last year. Uh so keeping spreadsheets of things that are completed is very important to kind of keep motivation going because if, uh, if you're doing this, this over and over and over, sometimes it's very hard to, um, you know, keep motivated. So you definitely need to, to, to take the time to look back 
and see how, how much you've progressed as a developer and as a person, it's very nice to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. Also like, you know, when you, when you post stuff like that, it, it means you are a tinker and a perfectionist. I feel like, which is, you know, I, I've not that this is anywhere close to the same thing, but I've kind of gone through and redesigned all of our thumbnails and like refreshed all of our logos and stuff. And it's like, I got to stop tinkering, but I see something and I'm like, I like the way it looks, but it can be better. And so I'll sit there and like laser focus on this thing for like a week and I got to get it all done because, you know, once one's done, I can't just leave it alone. I have to go back and do the rest of them. Uh, but that was that was something I noticed that it's just like I like when you like when you care enough to notice something that it can be better. And so you not fix it, but make it make it look cooler, you know, so uh I have a question regarding um, no know, questions. Uh, no quick. Damn it! Just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned how like you kind of felt discouraged a little bit until you like saw what you've actually accomplished. Like, what would you say is probably one of your biggest accomplishments, or like something that you like challenged yourself and you actually really liked how it turned out? Just recently, we. We had to come up with with a a new method of development. So part of it is is how do you how do we produce a game within two years? And within that two years, this game has to be tested and playable, you know, bug free as much as possible. Um, so part of part of what we were doing with our current framework was you know, we were, we had to keep building the game in order to test it. And so just recently we kind of looked at it and we're just like, okay, if we program it with scriptable objects, so scriptable objects within unity are, are, are just, is just kind of like a container of data. Um, and the nice thing about scriptable objects is you can edit them on the fly. Uh, so while the game is running and it's built, you can change those variables and it will affect it in real time. Uh, so recently we just kind of went and um, we changed all the AI, all of the, uh, the player stats um, and a number of other things to this real time movement or this real time um, flexibility. Uh, and it was a, a ton of work. Um, I estimated it at you know uh, two weeks in order to kind of get just like the basic framework in, uh, but it ended up taking about a month. And after it was done, uh, it turned out to be awesome and like a huge time saver and just like uh, very worth it. So I think that that would be the the biggest accomplishment in the the last little last little bit. That's awesome. That's you know. I could definitely see that being discouraging when you pass that two week mark. And it's like, <laughs> oh man, like <laughs> what did I get myself into? But yeah, that's sweet. And you're able to actually see the progress and just how much it changed your game. Yeah. yeah and just, and just the way that, cool. just in the way that we even approach it, it's uh, now like before when, when I was working on games, just as like a hobby, it was just kind of like you work on it, you tinker with it, and then you kind of get it, get it working and then you don't think about it. And then maybe a year down the line, you have to touch it again. 
Um, and then you don't really remember kind of what you did or how you programmed it, or like maybe you didn't comment the code. Um, so building it, building it right, or even just putting some forethought into like, how do you build on top of this to make it scalable? Uh, it, it's, it takes a little, it takes a little bit of forethought and a little bit of planning, but uh, it's definitely worth it. If you want to be a Patreon producer, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Media, and find out which tier is right for you. Our Patreon producers at the $5 tier or higher for this month are Adriel Munger, Austin Campbell, Celeste Roberts, Christian S., Sana Dierig, Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. Thank you for your continued support. Uh, so we, we have a few more questions uh, for, for you to answer if you uh, can. What advice uh, do you have for others who want to follow in your footsteps? It's a tough one. It's a yeah. I feel like no pressure. Yeah, I feel like there there's a lot of memes on on Twitter about being a game developer. Um, You know, quitting your job and and eating cup noodles for two years, and you know, working on games and doing what you love. I feel like that 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 is very good for you know some people. Um, For me, I like that the little bit of stability and, you know, working a full time job and and doing this on the side, it it is very fulfilling to me as a person. Um, But if anybody wants to follow in terms like do game development as, you know, a career or something that they that they want to pursue just in general, even as a hobby, get started would be my, my advice. Just do it, just start it and stick with it is that's the, that's the, the, the main thing. Nobody's going to develop it for you. Uh, nobody's going to push you to do it. You're going to have to come up with that drive, uh, for yourself. And, and, and I feel like, uh, just starting it will, you know, stop watching tutorial videos, stop reading stuff, just kind of do it. Just brass tacks, just get to it and try it out and see if you actually enjoy it. Cause it is hard. It is very difficult to develop a game, uh, even just do anything. It's very, very difficult to get started. But once you're once you get started, you'll you'll figure it out and um, you know get some enjoyment out of it. And yeah, that's uh, that's that's good advice. I <clears throat> sometimes we get to ask that in terms of like you know YouTube and and podcasting, which again I know is not not the same thing. I mean. Ter- Look, turning on a microphone and a camera is probably way in nine thousand percent sure it's e- easier than game development, right? But like, you know, some people are, are stage get stage fright or like they just don't know what to do or say. And like the first, and I'm sure this is true for game development too, is like the first time you do it, the first time's not good, right? The first maybe you know ten episodes of a podcast aren't good, or the first you know, time you design a game, that's, you know, it's not good, but it's something that you can point back to and kind of learn from what you did before. So that's no, good. I, I really appreciate that answer um, because there are parallels to any other medium. So I mm-hmm. have published books and whenever I talk to people about it, they're like, oh my gosh, how'd you do that? What's your advice? I'm like, just, just start it. And it's not to minimize 
the work and effort, I've got, like many published writers, many, many, many rejections from publishers. Many. Like, being a creator and getting things published, whether it's self-published or traditional publishing, there's always going to be a lot of setbacks. Um, but taking that in stride, the hardest part really was actually just starting it. You know, and the rest kind of... Because I think, especially with create creators, we are our own worst enemy. So if you could just take one step at a time, you're doing what the majority of the rest of the population are not doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's very easy to be distracted in this world. There's so many things to distract you. There's so many new TV shows that are coming out every day. So many new video games that are coming out to uh, every single day. And like, there's, it's very easy to uh, be distracted. Too many video games coming. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's very the, easy. The, I'm doing research. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> doing research. <laughs> That's a good one. Classic. Classic mm -hmm. Stephanie. Uh, yeah, I, I think that... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I just want to mention that I feel like you're selling yourself short because, uh, it, like, for me, being here today, I, I'm very nervous. Uh, this is my first, Aww. my very first interview. And... Um, I feel like I, I myself am like, uh, you know, like a, a charlatan and, uh, you, know, I, you know, I haven't released a game yet. So am I really a developer? Uh, but uh, I feel like just creating content, talking, uh, like putting on a microphone and being on camera and speaking like that's that in itself. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to do that myself. So, um, you know, you guys, you guys are doing great work here. So. Don't sell yourself short. It is it is very difficult too. Yeah, but you, you're making you're making a video game that we're gonna play someday and be like, ah, man, this is cool, you know, like, oh no, people, you know, I mean, that's gonna that's incredible. That's something I think that's something we've all kind of thought about in the back of our mind at some point. Is like, man, I wish I wish I was like good enough at coding or doing something like that to to make a game and i know the tools out there are easier than ever right or you know easier to learn than ever i guess with all the youtube tutorials or you know unreal has their tutorial program and uh, i'm sure unity has something very similar i think unity actually has like their own youtube channel where they have a bunch of tutorials also uh but you know, it's it's exciting. That's so you're doing you're doing the thing that we, I think we all wish we had time or or the capacity to do. So I remember being in high school and I had this like whole like video game set out. It was called Phoenix Saga. You know, I, I had the characters all drawn out. I had stories written about, about this. You know, it's just uh I mean, you're 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 living a dream that I wish mm -hmm. I you know could do. I just don't think I would have the patience to go through development. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. we, we can I we mean, can schedule we can schedule a meeting and talk about some of your ideas. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> ah, awesome! Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So, all right. So, yeah this this is this is great. I'm I'm really excited to see more of this game in the in the future in the you know coming weeks, months, years. However often you post, uh, you know this this is cool. Uh, maybe play that Switch version someday. You know, Stephanie will play it maybe a year before me on Steam Deck, but that's okay. Absolutely. 
And if there's ever going to be a physical <laughs> limited edition, I will be buying that too. Just saying. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely want to do a physical edition. I'm a huge collector of the physical indies. I love them. Right. Hey, hey, well, since you brought it up in your own like ideal world, now we're just playing for fun. Like, you know, there's super rare games, uh, limited run fan gamer. Like there's many different um, kind of venues for physical publishing. If you were to have your way with creating a physical for your game and tossing in some items for a collector's edition, like what would be your ideal collector's edition for your game? Like, would you provide stickers, um, art postcards? keychain what do you think hmm i think an instruction manual, manual. for sure instruction manual yeah. for sure. yeah for um, the win nice <laughs> uh for, for for like the stickers and postcards to be honest i'm not a huge fan i'm not a huge fan i know like i collect them but like i don't really do anything with them they just kind of sit there and take up space uh but uh <laughs> Maybe uh, no, they're not like my a... favorite either. They're just the most common that I can think of. <laughs> For sure, I got so many from packs, and they're just sitting in a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the instruction manual and uh, maybe an art book I think would be probably be best uh, if we do get like we do. We definitely have some nice some nice um, audio and like um, set, like music tracks. Um, so creating something that has like uh, some soundtracks maybe attached to it would be would be something that would be nice too. Nice. Yeah. I was talking of VGNY soft video games, New York soft. Um, and they, they put out a couple physical copies of indie games and I got um, like a special edition of yuppie psycho. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, what are actual collectors items that people really wanted, like actually wanted. And one of the top ones were game manuals. So <laughs> Yeah, it seems like a lot. It seems like something that's something that's lost now. Um, you don't you don't see them anywhere really. You get these these Switch games or PS4 games, PS5 games, whatever, and then they're just like just the case and a disc, and that's it. Yeah, a big mm -hmm. plastic case and a tiny little chip. I'm like, really? <laughs> Sometimes you don't even get that. I mean, Wolfenstein for Switch was just a download code, just a piece of paper with some numbers on it. I'm like, Boo. it's fine. Lame. It's not yeah, fine. Not Corey, not everything's fine. I'm not really a it's huge. It's all fine. Not a huge fan of uh, the digital games. Yeah, um, I, I think I think instruction manuals are a must. Uh, bind, I remember when Binding of Isaac came out on Switch a couple weeks after Zelda. I think uh, way early on, and it came with an instruction manual and all this stuff. I'm like, whoa, look at all this stuff that's they stuffed inside this tiny Switch case. And then, then you open up uh, Street Fighter, uh, whatever the HD Final Challengers, I think it was called, and it's just like there's not even any art inside the cover. It's just this white art with a little, you know, Switch game. It's like, oh, well, you know. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a, of a story. So, like, I went and I bought this huge lot of physical games that was uh, that was being sold. And one of the games was a Street Fighter game, and it uh, was Street Fighter Arcade, and it had Akuma on the front cover. And uh, you know, I popped it in my my PlayStation Five, and I was ready to play it. I'm just like, I invited a couple friends over to play it. And I'm just like, let's go, let's go at it, you know. And uh, all of the all of the the characters were DLC, and the DLC code was used, so it was it was, it was pretty crappy. It was pretty oh. it was pretty crappy. Oh. <laughs> it's always a bummer. 
Well, uh, so yeah, should we? Are there any? Are, is there anything else we want to talk about about your your game before we kind of talk about what we've been playing and get into some topics? Uh, I mean, I could talk about your game all, the rest of the show if you really want to, but uh, you know. Yeah, how long have you been working on this uh, project? Um, so th- I guess the idea behind it uh, was kind of, t- it's something that's been streamed, like it's been, it's revolved like around lots of iterations. Um, so it's been in the works since 2016. Um, and this is just kind of refining the idea and mm-hmm. refining what it what it actually is and like, what do you want it to be? Um, like what we want it to be. Uh, so it, it's been in, it's been in the works for a long time, but I think, I feel like now, now that I've got some people, I got, I got uh, two people on my team and the, they're really, really phenomenal. I'm really grateful that they're, they're with me on this project. They've helped kind of define what the goal is and what the end goal is. So at this point uh, we're kind of working toward a plan uh, of, you know, two years to be released and we have a very good goal and now it's written all on paper and you know the plan is kind of in the works so um yeah it's it's coming along that's awesome that's awesome i I know like a lot of time development hell is a real thing just look at dead island (laughs) 2 it's like that game was announced and like almost 10 years later we finally like oh yeah by the way this game's done now yeah or it will be done and maybe someday uh it's done but yeah i get to talk about it later yeah it, it's I mean, just you know yeah sorry yeah. uh what so the genre why 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 this genre of game we were we were doing some some market analysis um, this is something, these are, these are things that I, like when I first was coming out of this, have never done. I, I was just like, I want to make a game and like, what do I do? What do I have to do to make a game? I didn't think about it from any perspective outside of development. Um, and definitely not from the business side. That to me was something I, I figured I would do later. Um, but But yeah, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I kind of I, I forgot the question. <laughs> oh, I I just asked like why why did you pick the, this this genre? Oh, like, the genre. You, you said yeah. it was uh yeah yeah yeah. So 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 we we were doing some market analysis and um, we found that this this kind of matched what our goal for um, you know the project would be in terms of um, how much money we expect to make and. So that that's kind of, that's kind of how it was decided uh, that we would go with with a roguelike. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is very this is very insightful from a from a indie developer. Just like it's it's super cool to see a project, almost you know, I, I don't want to say in in its infancy infancy, but like in develop like you know you're you're deep in development now and this is this is cool i can't wait to see what the the finished product is and you know we're we're going to be championing this game here from here on out like this is this is cool uh 
I'm really glad. I'm really glad I found found you. You know, hashtag indie games. That those hashtags work, guys. They work. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be looking for some some play testers to kind of give some honest feedback. Um, maybe not right now, but uh, you know, a, a little bit along the line. So definitely going to keep you guys in mind if if you guys are interested in that sort of thing. Um, it's still it still will be early early on, um, but uh, would be would be loving to have you guys try it out. Is that something you're into? Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to try it. Have you one last question before we get into what we've been playing? Uh, have you thought about the, have you thought about early access like Steam early access stuff? Yes. Yeah, we definitely thought about it. That is 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 undecided at this point, um, but uh, but it's definitely something on the radar that we're we're looking into. Cool. Well, Project Awakening. Uh, the the awakening logo you sent me is super cool by the way i i love it it's so cool um <clears throat> check uh you know coming coming to pc first uh sometime in the in the near future um richard we're going to talk about what we've been playing and since you're our esteemed guest you get to go first so um about l- last month i completed majora's mask on the 64 yeah for the first time for the first time yeah and it was really awesome i really i really loved it uh my wife uh wanted me to play this and she was encouraging me to get an emulator and i'm just like no no that's not gonna happen so i went and i got the the physical n64 cartridge and played it uh played it how it was meant to be played and uh it was it was really amazing i I really really enjoyed it uh, especially knowing that you know they came out with this game within a year, um, using a lot of the assets yeah. from um, what was it, what's the game called now? Can draw Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time. Yeah, so it's really amazing. Um, Awakening will definitely have some some elements uh, of this game as well. Um, mask or, trading. Is it going to be mask trading? Not mask trading. Uh, the Aww. the time the time loop the time loop. <laughs> Ooh, okay. 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 But uh, but okay. yeah yeah like uh, th- that was uh, that was the most recent game that I that I completed. Um, I, I love playing League of Legends. Outside of that, so I was actually playing a couple of games today uh, of League of Legends. For me, that PvP experiences is one of the best. Most frustrating, but but uh, one of the best. Yeah, that's uh, it's one of the it's one of those games, man. The, the, the... It sucks you in. I'm a I'm a big Destiny player, so like I I know, you know the the multiplayer stuff. I know what you, I know what you're feeling, sort of. You know, I'm, I don't I don't play MOBAs, but you know it's got that kind of feel to it. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, you get so frustrated. You're almost at that win, or you you make that big comeback at the end. Oh, so good. For sure, for sure. Um, oh, outside man. of that, we uh, I, I was playing Young Souls, which is an indie game. Uh, it's like a co-op brawl uh, or like a beat em up, and uh, I was playing that with my mm-hmm. wife. We we did it co-op and uh, got through the whole experience. It was actually really Aww. fun. It was really fun. Nice, cool. What's it called? Young Souls. Young, Young Souls. Souls. Yeah, the art style. The art style is really interesting. Um, the the dialogue and stuff is a little bit a little bit funky, but. It's a, it's a, it's actually a really good experience if you do if you do want to give it a shot. Oh, this is on Game Pass. In, oh. in your uh, in your 
expert opinion, would you say it's better than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Mm, don't go there. I can't, I can't say. I can't say. I didn't. I didn't actually try that one yet. Uh, River City Girls. Oh, I didn't try that one either. <laughs> oh man, you should you should try River City Girls. It's it's really good. Uh, okay. Way forward. Uh, we actually had uh, uh, Adam Tierney, the head of publishing on Way Forward, on a couple weeks ago, and uh, he directed River City Girls, and it's it's a it's an incredible brawler. Uh, and then they they made River City Girls Zero, which is like a callback to like the old NES, you know, River City Ransom, <laughs> and that art style and everything. And then there's there's a sequel out now too. So highly recommend River City Girls for sure. I have a I have a copy of it. I just it's on the list. It's on the list. Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean we all we all have that list, right? We're like, <laughs> oh, someday this game will come off my shelf and go into my box, and I'll play it someday. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's definitely one of the biggest uh, struggles. That's definitely one of the biggest struggles of like, do I work on this or do I play the game? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's uh. It's, it's the lifelong uh, uh, struggle. So, uh, Pat, what are you playing? All right. Well, for those who know me, I have a goal of playing and beating 30 games this year. Uh, I've managed to get to uh, get through number 14 this week. And that 14th game was Dead Island 2. Nice. Mm-hmm. You're on a roll, and dude. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm uh, I'm starting to wonder if thirty was too little. So I got a question about that. So is, got... is that is that thirty complete, complete, or just finishing the game from start to finish? Um, it's usually from start to finish. Uh, but I am I do very much like try to do as much as I can in these games. Uh, so like if it's um that. Dead Island 2 was one where I did finish, and then, you know, I continued playing some of the post, uh, post-mission post quests in it. Um, otherwise, like, I do... The 30 games aren't just, like, small games either. Like, there, there can be some massive ones. I did finish Octopath uh, a couple of weeks ago. Octopath 2. Or, act, sorry. Octopath Traveler 2. And that game took me over 90 hours. Jeez. So, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> There and I expect Zelda is going to be, you know, at least in the hundred-hour range. Oh my gosh, that, Zelda's going to be, gotta so be in the complete category for me. Zelda uh, scares me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what reviewers are going to say. Hopefully, they come out tomorrow. Dungeons, guys, they're back. Oh, don't ruin <laughs> it! Gosh, Sorry. I spoiler. I went and hopped on side note on our Twitter twitter chat and that's the first thing i saw i'm like f dang it no. not uh, dungeons to just mountains everywhere yeah mountains. okay too there late anyway keep going yeah so dead island 2 was uh i played dead island and dead island uh, riptide and i i enjoyed these games um you know it's kind of like an open world zombie but zombie game survival game uh but the second one went through a developer hell and went through actually three developers before they landed on their fourth developer that made the game. And uh, they, I thought they did a pretty good job. They, instead of doing an open world, they did kind of like open segments. Like you, you have the whole of LA, but there's a Bel Air segment. There is a, 
uh, Beverly Hills segment, Hollywood Boulevard, Venice Beach, you know, instead of connecting them all, like, there is a load screen between these connections. And I, I feel like those bite-sized chunks allowed them to make more detail uh, to their level design. Um, the gameplay itself is absolute is an absolute blast. Like this might be one of the most glorious games I've ever seen. Like the gore physics is almost art. Like you hit someone in a certain place and you know, they're the flesh rips off and you can literally like after you beat or kill a zombie, you can literally just keep beating it and watch like parts of it, like just fly off. Mm. They, 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 they put a lot of detail with, you know, like how would a zombie be dismembered? And it's uh, I, I gotta say it it made it very satisfying. Like I'm I don't consider myself a violent person, but it's like there was something soothing about it. <laughs> wow, you got some you got some uh, something you want to get off your chest there, Pat. <laughs> well, you know what's really yeah. interesting is because um, I I felt like that was a big title that came out. Neither I wasn't paying attention, but. When it released, I didn't hear too much about it. Was the reception not that great, or no? It sold a couple million copies, and okay, uh, yeah. and I probably day. just wasn't paying attention then. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They say it doesn't really bring anything new to the genre, but for as long as it's been in development hell, it, they're actually very surprised it turned out well. Okay. Yeah, I'm so su- I'm surprised it actually came out in a functional state because like, mm-hmm. uh. Who D- Dan Buster did this right, and so like their last game was uh Home, home Front the Revolution, which was like you know, it was uh, just not a functioning video game when it came out, and then they patched it a few times, and it you know, it, it, it is what it is, right? And so, I think a lot of people were you know, Dan Buster was a third studio to work on this game, and I think everybody just assumed the worst, right? But it's nice to see when uh a game comes out like this you know it wasn't a duke nukem forever situation well here's what kind of is a pet peeve of mine in gaming like people need to sit down and relax about not every game needs to be this new state-of-the-art genre-breaking revolutionary thing like yeah Mm -hmm. that would be great once in a while to keep things fresh but not every release has to be like that you just need to be not broken for the most part yeah not broken and just fun to play and and just just good like and and also the other thing with open worlds like not everything has to be an open world to be a good game those are the two things that i always hear criticized about titles and i'm like can just shut the fuck up if it's a good game and it works then it's a good game (laughs) sorry just rant over i mean i'm gonna talk about two of those games in a minute so uh well i will save one of them uh because you have it also um I did go see the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie over the weekend, so it immediately made me think I have yet to finish Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game. Oh, it's okay. So I immediately re-downloaded it. Yay. And I'm about halfway through it right now. And it's you know, they they took they got the spirit of the Guardians of the Galaxy so perfect in that game. The banter is spot on. It made me laugh out loud several times. Like I, I texted Steph last night one of the jokes. Uh, they, the Guardians were going through uh, a file, like this Novacore file of all like the villains that Nova has seen, and one of them was Drax. And Peter Quill makes the comment, "Oh, Drax, your uh, your criminal file is pretty big." 
and Drax returns, that is what your mother said to me. <laughs> and then what made it funnier was Rocket's comment of, it's great because his mother's dead. <laughs> it's just like, wow, that just went dark. Yeah, that... <laughs> I, I want to say that I actually think the game is is better than any of the movies. Uh, you need I'm to not... see the third one. The third one. This third movie is absolutely amazing. I know. I've way. heard many people say it's like the best out of the three Guardians movies. Yeah. It is funny. It is emotional. It's got the right mix of action and like storytelling. Yeah. It's it's good. Yeah, I was I was kind of concerned because like I mean I don't think it's a big secret that Dave Batista is just tired of working for Disney. Like mm. he just you know he's not a fan. And like you know the the whatever is happening with you know Chris Pratt over the internet. Like I I think people were I think everybody just is kind of done with the whole situation regardless of what side you're on and you know with with james gunn kind of taking over at dc i think a lot of people are just expecting this to be in like maybe like a phoned in movie at some point but like the fact that it turned out as good as it did and like groot groot is a practical effect in this movie for the most part right i think right just like the christmas special holiday Uh, special like yeah he's like it's I think there's like a mocap actor like who kind of stands there for group, but yeah, he's CGI. Oh, okay. I, I just, because in the, in the holiday special, he was a practical, like it was a guy in a suit and like only his face was animated. So I, I thought maybe they took that approach to the movie too, but maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's however they've done it before. Like it's he Okay. Like, you know, he's fake, but at the same time, he, you know, he, they integrate him well enough into it that you can hardly tell. Right. Okay. That's mm-hmm. cool. Nice. So that final game we're going to talk about is Redfall. Hmm. Corey, that have you talked bitty. about this game yet? Have I? Have I played? I've played enough oh. of it. We'll say. Mm-hmm. It's, I played uh, quite a bit of it too, and let me tell you, it's uh, it's rough. Yeah. Um, the thing, the thing is, though, first of all, I don't think it's as bad as like the internet is trashing it to be, right? I think the whole like Phil Spencer interview and all this other stuff that came out, right? Like, I don't think the game is as bad. It's not good. I, I want to say that it's not good, but I want to say there are cool ideas in there. I think Arcane, especially because like Arcane Austin is, you know, whether or not this is true or not, is considered like the B team of Ar- of Arcane, right? And so like. Well, I think they B team. They did good work with Prey. Like, yeah, but Prey wasn't well received when it came out, though. That's the thing, you know. Uh, I think after a few updates, <laughs> yeah, Prey uh, two killed it. Uh, so I think there's cool ideas. I think the whole vampire, like, I think murdering vampires is cool. I think that's a cool premise for a game to go around in like a Borderlands style world with your friends and kind of just kill vampires and cultists and get cooler, you know, weapons that do cooler things to kill vampires in cooler ways, right? Like, I think that's cool. But, like, I don't know. I I think the weird thing, too, is, like, it it feels like they took the Dishonored ability wheel and, like, just chopped it up into pieces and passed out random abilities to people. And Yeah, make it different. Like, oh, you want to play this person that has, like, this ghost sniper rifle or... yeah the teleporter or yeah Yeah. and it just 
it just doesn't feel finished, you know, and, and that's, uh, that's not great. Uh, but in like the, the Xbox series X version only runs at 30 frames a second too, which is not a ideal frame rate for a shooter either. Right. And, uh, the textures pop in the AI is not very good. It's just, I don't know. I walked up. I walked up to some of the enemies. Just straight up walked up to them and shot them in the head. And like they didn't. Nobody else reacted. You know, nobody reacted. They saw me walk up and didn't react. Like it was just kind of, you know. Also, like some of the animations were broken. Like I saw this guy walk down the stairs, but he wasn't walking. He was like in his standing in his idle standing animation, and he just kind of like floated down the stairs. I'm like, this is weird. Like you know kind of halfway in the ceiling and yeah i've had zombies that or not zombies that vampires that were literally not there like i would shoot them mm-hmm. but nothing happened so yeah and like some of the some of the enemies are like just i don't know but the vampires are kind of cool like some of the the i i i don't know if they're like bosses or what but like when you go into the into the hives right and like you see <laughs> some of the cooler looking vampires, it, it's cool. Like that feels like the game, you know, and then you get out into the open world and it's just empty and barren and just a bunch of dumb people walking around. And you're like, huh? Huh? No, they had some great ideas. Like this yeah. game has potential. And maybe if they do a cyberpunk 2077 thing where, you know, they rework it, over the next couple of years and like patch it up, it could very well be a good game. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think there's, there's, there's a good idea. There's a kernel of an idea here. That's really cool. I hope they stick with it. I don't know if they will or not. I know arcane is hiring for their next project, but I think that's Leon, which I'm assuming is going to be death loop too, since the <laughs> voice actor kind of just came out and basically said he was working on the, whatever the code name was for death loop two, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, Redfall is interesting. I'm going to, it's, it's, it's definitely on the back burner for me now, especially with Zelda coming out. Right. But like, yeah, it's, uh, if they fix it, I will, I will go back because I think it's a cool idea. But if, if Microsoft kind of comes in and says, Hey, let's just move on. We're just going to write this off as a speed bump for us. We're, you know, going to move ahead and, and kind of, well, figure out what's Phil, next Phil did promise he would get some of that stuff fixed like especially yeah. like 60 frames a second he said that was one of the promises he gave us and that didn't go through so he wants to make sure mm-hmm. it does yeah that, that's so, a very yeah, that's actually right a very ins- that's actually a very unfortunate go thing. ahead that's it's unfortunate that the industry kind of does that where if this game were to be pushed six months or a year, you know, how good would it be, you know, if the, mm-hmm. the open world was fixed, you know, less cookie cutter assets and more, maybe if it was zoned and instead of having open world, you know, some of the game design elements just kind of refactored or, or, or redone completely to just make it better. Like, it's kind of sad to see that all these developers, hundreds of developers probably put in all these years of work just to see a project kind of burn and then be abandoned. It's, it's mm-hmm. really unfortunate. Yeah. And we've, yeah. we've seen Microsoft and other companies stick with the games, right? I mean, look at, look at sea of thieves, right? I mean, that game was, it wasn't broken when it came out, but there's nothing to do really. Right. And now it's micro it's secretly Microsoft's like second biggest game 
behind Forza, right? Is like Sea of Thieves is huge. Uh, Destiny was the same way when it came out. Uh, the Division was the same way. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just this uh, this kind of way that these games seem to find themselves in positions. Uh, Anthem was the one that didn't stick with it, right? And you know, we, we saw what happened there. I mean, and I don't think also I don't think Anthem was as bad as everybody said either. But it was just the the mission structure was kind of shoot guys, go here, shoot. That mechanically, that game was great. It was the 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 surrounding aspects that was rough, but um, you know these games as a service, you gotta you gotta launch great with a roadmap now, right? Uh, there's sure. there's no more there's no more no man's sky in these things now, right? You you gotta come out with a plan and a and a, uh, a product that resembles a finished product now, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the, you'd think that uh, they would learn the the cyberpunk lesson. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I I don't know. You have anything else to say about Redfall, there, Pat? No, it's like you. It's pretty much gonna be. If I'm bored, I'll putz around with it. But as yeah. of right now, it's definitely not a project I look to finish. Right. I mean, there's there's too many other games now, right? Like, I mean, Zelda, Star Wars. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 coming, Pikmin 4 for me. Like that, yeah, there's there's Pikmin too many, 4. it's too many, too many things. Though I hear Star Wars is kind of not performing very oh, well. Oh yeah, it's so broken. It crashed. It cr- I, I that's on the back burner for me too until they fix it too. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, <laughs> I loaded it up. I haven't even gotten past like the first part of the game because it crashed on me four times. Oh wow. my gosh. I I've seen the opening cutscene. It's great, and then I start like you know walking around and doing things, and it's like. <laughs> gone wow i mean the story's been pretty good but like you i've had a crash where i lost like 45 minutes of play time and mm-hmm. it's just i it's i will go back to it once you know i cool down from that because mm-hmm. i don't want to replay that segment i yeah. hated that segment oh no <laughs> i want like i want to play it because i i love fallen order but like fallen order had the same issue right where like it it launched in a not so great state either uh and I'm wondering. So I heard this. I heard this discussion uh, the other day, and uh, Richard, maybe you can comment on this since you're a developer. But like, Fallen Order wasn't developed for SSDs in mind, whereas Jedi Survivor is. It's it's been developed for, you know, PS5, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S. And a wide margin of PCs with and without SSDs, right? And so they've had to kind of figure out what the middle ground is for that. And that's what's causing some issues with the game is that they just, they don't like until everybody transitions to an SSD, like they're just going to keep having these issues. Yeah, you get that, you get that hidden loading screen with, with mm-hmm. like you, you go through and crawl through a little small corridor for two seconds or for five seconds or whatever, so it can load up the data. It's amazing now the technology that we have with like PlayStation Five and SSDs and like the super fast processing of GPUs. Like we can have open worlds like Elden Ring that just loads up seamlessly. You know, there's very little loading with Final Fantasy 16. They're coming out. Um, they're, they're, they pride themselves on like four seconds of loading. That's it. 
Everything else is going to be a cinematic experience to lock you in that seat without moving for hours and hours on end. So like, it's amazing what they can do nowadays. And it's kind of, it's, it's cool how they, they made some of these loading screens and, and just kind of being able to process, go from one level to another, um, making it immersive. But now with, uh, you know, it's kind of almost irrelevant, you know, you don't need to crawl through those corridors anymore. So there needs to be a middle ground for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, what are you doing? What are you playing? So I know I dabbled in a lot of games uh, the last time we recorded, but I've whittled it down to one game prior to Tears of the Kingdom coming out, and I'm still playing Roots of Pacha, believe it or not. I really got into it. Um, uh, if people missed last week, it is technically a farming sim, and it's been many years since I played a farming sim because it's one of those things where I played my first one ever, Harvest Moon 64, love the heck out of it, but couldn't really get back into it ever again, only because every single Harvest Moon after that was just the same, and I just, come on, really? I know there was Stardew Valley, I just kind of, I just didn't get into it, I haven't downloaded, but I, I really like Roots of Pacha because it's just different enough, because it does take place in prehistoric times, so there are a lot of events where your community is discovering new ideas like hey we're discovering like an efficient way to do laundry like i know it seems silly but like or we're we're figuring out how to create a clock or a calendar system and so it's got this new spin so each member of the community might have an idea and you help them by either bringing them certain materials to help them develop the idea so you create a help someone help the chef create a fermenter so you can start fermenting mead uh, or creating mead and, and stuff like that so it's actually a lot of fun and i'm pretty addicted to it i'm playing it on my steam deck um i'm in the fall of the first year and you know i'm 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 doing everything that i usually do where i'm um I have animals, which in this case are like llamas. I have a baby saber-toothed tiger as a pet. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm growing traditional and non-traditional crops. Like, I'm growing buckwheat, um, gar garbanzo beans, I forget, chilies. Um, anyway, so I, I can go on and on. It is a lot of fun. I mean, there's still also the romance part, and it's also fun. I'm trying to figure out who likes what and... So it's such a nice palate cleanser in between major third-party games and, you know, always happy to support, you know, an indie developer and publisher. So that's honestly what I've been focusing on because as of Friday, it's going to be pretty much Zelda. Yeah. Yeah, Zelda, man. That's, uh, that's going to be a, a good time for about six weeks and everybody's gonna hate us for it <laughs> after about four it's fine it's fine um so i actually played a ton of video games this weekend and last week because nice. so i stayed up late on, on thursday uh because this weekend was my wife's birthday and so like i was like trying to clear my weekend of recordings and editing and stuff so uh, after Tower Casuals on Thursday, Ed and I stayed up and recorded a kind of like a light episode of Nintendo Power Block. And I got everything edited, processed, uploaded, everything done 
on Friday morning. And that way my whole weekend was clear. So I started, so uh, Sarah Bond from Xbox has been championing Ravenlock for so long. And it was came to Game Pass, and I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. Uh, I played that game the whole weekend. I got all the achievements. And wow. so it's I, it's not like the most amazing game ever, but like going back to what our discussion about Redfall, this game works. It doesn't crash. It runs well. Like nothing is broken. The art style is really cool. Like uh, it's got this. Uh, I, Pat, maybe you played. Uh, I've seen. I've seen what it looks like. It's like pixelized sprites yeah. and characters, but like an animated. Background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Echo Echo Generation was this team's last game, uh, which was like that voxel. Uh, strangers, right. Stranger Things looking game, um, mm-hmm. and it's this is a kind of like a Zelda light mixed with Alice in Wonderland, and there's three there's three major uh, areas with dungeons, um, and you kind of go through and you have to kind of save Wonderland by doing this, and then you collect the three emblems to open the castle door to go fight the queen to save the land. Uh, and the way the game opens up, I was like, because like I didn't know any really know a lot about this game before I I turned. I didn't even know it was like Alice in Wonderland based, right? I just kind of downloaded it. It was on Game Pass. I was like, I'm gonna try it out. You know, I can always just delete it if I don't like it. <laughs> the first night I played it for like three hours, which is a long time for me. <laughs> and uh, you know, it starts out your family has moved to this farmhouse. And you're moving into the farmhouse. And that's how the game starts. I thought it was a farming sim because the dad's standing outside. And he's like, oh, sure would be nice if we could grow some crops here and build a greenhouse. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to build a greenhouse. Is that what's is that what's going on? Steps uh, all in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you do a couple quests around the house and you get an achievement for petting the dog at the beginning, by the nice. way. Nice. So uh, it's the first achievement I got. Pet the dog. Five points. Uh you do some quests around the house and after you're done doing these quote unquote chores, you go to your, your dad tells you to go to the barn, right? There's a barn and a shed and you go to the barn, you go in and there's like all this stuff covered in sheets and you see like paintings and mirrors and stuff lying around. You're like, Oh, this is okay. Somebody's left their crap in this barn. Okay. You go to this mirror. It's, it's dusty. And, and your character is like, Oh, I wish I could look in this mirror. I'm like, oh, okay. So you have to go back to the house, get the rag, go back to the to the mirror and clean it off. And that's as you she's like, "Oh, I've kind of recognized some of the stuff in the mirror." And she touches the mirror and she gets sucked into Wonderland, right? Then you meet the white rabbit and your adventure progresses from there. And I got to say, this is this game was so much fun. I don't remember the last time I had this much fun with just like a game that I didn't know anything about. Just tried it out. Played through it. Uh, took me three nights. It took me about six and a half hours, I want to say, to beat and uh, get all the achievements. It, it's uh, they're actually they actually updated the game today with performance enhancements and like they have a speed run mode now. And all these other cool things. So uh, 
I if you have Game Pass, it's it's an Xbox exclusive. I think it's on PC also, but uh, Xbox Game Pass PC. Super cool. Uh, I I really recommend it. Uh, the the things I had issues with was like it it has a weird camera. Uh, it does it doesn't give you like a full three D spin of the camera, right? It's it's kind of set up like a stage play almost, where like you're going through, you know. And you can turn the camera a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, but you can't turn the camera all the way around. Uh, that got it didn't really bother me until you get into some of the boss fights and like you find yourself at the top of the screen. And the camera follows you and the boss is behind you, but you can't turn the camera to see where the boss is. So that was kind of annoying a little bit, but the game's not that difficult. So it's like, you know, I just run back to the front of the stage and the boss kind of rolls to the other end. The rest is that, but like you can collect these little hats. Like there's these little figurines that you have to collect that are cool, and you give them to this this giant rabbit, and he gives you like potions and upgrades and all these kind of things. <coughs> it's super cool. Uh, one of the other games I started playing, I started playing this last night actually while I was editing an an episode was uh, Unpacking. It's just oh, like this nice game. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's kind of like. Basically, you're just unpacking stuff and putting it in places, right? And uh, you kind of go through this person's timeline history type thing. So I'm on the third year, which is 2007. The first year is 1994. Second year was uh, uh, 2004. And now I'm on 2007. So that's a cool game. Uh, I got really upset at Disney Speedstorm. I think I mentioned this last week. So I deleted it and started playing Mario Kart 8 instead. So that's uh, but yeah, I was actually pretty proud of myself for not only playing two indie games this weekend, but finishing one of them. That's awesome, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there there was there was a a devlog on unpacking about how many how like how they recorded all the sounds for it. It It's actually really amazing because like they have like everything that you touch has its own unique sound. And so they recorded like five or six different like button presses for each item and each surface and is is really cool really interesting oh that's cool Whoa. yeah there's a so like there's one of the buttons like rotates items right and i was uh trying to rotate a bunch of the items and one of the items is a rubik's cube but instead of rotating the rubik's cube it like turns the rubik's cube and you get an achievement for solving the rubik's cube so it's kind of cool it's it's not that difficult, guys. You just press B until it's done. Uh, it's not like it's not like you're actually sitting there like, oh, I gotta turn it left this time. It, you know, you just keep hitting B until it's done. But it was it was cool because I was like, oh, I see the colors are moving, so I'm gonna try to finish this. And what do you know, sixty point achievement pops up. Thank you for reminding me uh, about achievements. That was probably the cardinal sin about Redfall, is that they have odd number achievement points i know i still there's some with seven there's some with four i now have a gamer score that i cannot get a perfect like five five or zero yeah five Mm. or zero and that's gonna make me mad because now i'm gonna have to play it until i get a perfect five or zero yeah the thing the thing for me with redfall or with uh with that is uh pirates of the care lego pirates of the caribbean has odd numbers there's only two odd numbers in that game but one of them is worth three points and then the 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 odd number one is 97 points 
It's like, Why? oh my gosh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you're you doing? People, nobody people with OCD. That's what they're doing. They're nobody, like, ah, nobody likes odd number achievements. No, F- end your achievements in five or zero. Mm-hmm. I beg you, <laughs> Richard. I will not play your game if it has an odd number achievement. It's, it's noted. It's noted. <laughs> uh, I'm only half kidding. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what I've been playing. We've actually we've actually been going for like an almost an hour and a half. Uh, so I don't know. Do we want to get into any, any topics real quick or we, uh, should we call it there? I mean, I, I think this was, this was a great conversation. I think we had a lot of great. I have, I have a question for you guys, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for me, video games have changed my life and changed the video games. Everything in my life revolves around video games now. Um, so my question for you guys is how have video games impacted your life? Oh boy, that's a loaded question. Uh, I mean, I, I guess, so I'll start cause it's, it's mine's kind of quick, but also like super impactful. Like I, uh, I started doing podcasts for fun because of games, like, for, you know, friends and I like games and, and. You know, I started I started personally podcasting about 10 years ago, almost at this point, nine years ago. And uh, with with various people and groups and whatever. Uh, But this this group currently uh, Boss Rush and our YouTube channel and our podcasts and the things we talk about and do with games and stuff got me my current job. It had nothing to do with like, I mean, my resume, maybe they looked at it, but like my boss has come out and told me several times that our podcast and our men, our YouTube channel was the main reason why he hired me. That's awesome. And I wouldn't be doing this. I mean, maybe I would be podcasting about something else. I don't know if I didn't play video games. I don't know. Maybe not, but like video games have totally changed and impacted my life in, in that way. And, Hmm. you know, I mean, I'm sure we've all been there where like our parents growing up were like, don't play those video games or, you know, rot your eyes or something. I don't know. Uh, You know, they're bad for you. And I think that video games offer a lot more than maybe somebody who doesn't play realizes, right? Like Mm -hmm. stories and, and cool characters and interesting puzzles and gameplay. Cause I think people just think of Mario and people think of call of duty, right? That's mm-hmm. <laughs> in well, Fortnite probably now, but like, don't forget grand theft auto. Oh yeah. Forgot yeah. About teaching that too. kids how to jack cars and be criminals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think this, I think this medium has impacted me in a, in a lot of different ways, but that's like the main one. And, and it's, I'm forever grateful that <laughs> video games exist, you know? And, you know, that, I mean, of course my wife's the per- person that made me apply for the job. So I have to throw her in there too. I'll throw her, throw her a bone, you know? Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy how this hobby of, of mine and, and kind of what we're trying to do, to build into something bigger got me in my job currently, which is, you know, I, I produce videos and podcasts for an IT uh, marketing company and, and, you know, we have events and all kinds of things, but like uh, that all stemmed from my knowledge of streaming 
and and podcasting and video editing and just things that I've kind of taught myself over the years. So nice. Um, for me, it, you know, I started with video games because my eldest cousin lived in my parents' house for a couple of years while he was in culinary school in Boston, because that's where I live, like in, in that, well, not in Boston proper, but anyway, and I would watch him play, you know, NES and SNES games, and then eventually Ocarina of Time on N64, and my kind of claim to fame on how video games changed my life was Ocarina of Time, The Legend of Zelda, um, just opened the creative box to my brain. In fact, my first novel used to be a fan fiction of what happened after Ocarina of Time. Like I just decided to write fan fiction because I love that game so much. And that's where I'm like, you know what? I want to tell stories. So for me, I appreciate video games for the stories that they tell because I just struggled with reading. I don't know why. Maybe I just have a I don't know, I'm not smart or something. Like, it's hard for me to focus and get into a story just by reading words. And um, I don't know, TV, it's very passive. And I feel like video games as a medium, you got to get the best of both worlds. You get to interact with the story and it's engaging and it's not just words. There are words, but it's not all words. Mm-hmm. So it just, A, inspired me to write novels and now I'm writing my fifth novel. Uh, and B, like, I, it's just, it's what's keep, keeping what little creative brain I have left from my normal day job. So. Well, video games has massively affected my life. Um, in the beginning, video games was more of an escape for me. Uh, my childhood was not very good. Um, and so video games was kind of that way to escape reality and to go into a reality where I wasn't viewed necessarily as a bad guy, but I could be like a hero. You know, the, I, I would have like companions that, you know, relied on me and I'd be able to go on these quests to save worlds when, you know, my real life just kind of, I, I always felt like the bad guy or different and just not really accepted. Uh, video games made me feel accepted. Mm. Um as well as you know escape other things that were going on but uh it, it's you know became from went from escapism to something that now i am actually very proud to say i am a gamer uh i have met a lot of amazing people uh in this day and age where you know we can connect with other gamers from afar um like the the amazing people here at boss rush like i Stephanie now is like I consider one of my best friends and we would not have met if it wasn't for our love of video games Um, and uh, you know and it 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 helped me open up uh, talk a lot more especially when I got into podcasting like I I developed pride as you know playing these video games something that was originally taboo and just like a waste of my time according to everyone else that I was around, but now it's like, hey, did you play this game? Oh, yeah, I played this game. What was your favorite part about this? I love this. You know, it, you, you have these like conversations and you you get engrossed and realize that me, like, this is also such a great medium to tell stories, to like just bring, like, it, like, 
I understand the appeal of books and movies, but there's something like interactive about the video game that is just it's enjoyable for me. Uh, it's very immersive. Mm-hmm. And to be able to now tell people, like, even at work, like, one of the first things that, like, they're like, oh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little about you. Tell us something people don't know about you. I'm like, I podcast about video games. I've done it for over six years. And, like, I am a massive gamer. I will not hide that fact. And people, like, it's amazing all these other people. Oh, yeah, I, I played this game. Or, you know, I, I like to play this game. And, you know, it's like, you know, these people never had real like conversations about the games because they always kept it like it was like a closet secret to them i got made fun and, of because i played video games mm-hmm, yeah same you know same as a kid and like yeah not people still think of me as a geek but you know i'm a geek that's passionate about this and they they accept that and you know it, it's not like a bad make fun of it's like hey you know he can he may be wasting his money on this stuff, but, you know, at least he's passionate. We own it. our geekness now. Yeah, you word know, is a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, you know what I used to tell my I mean, what I used to tell my mom when she used to tell me to stop playing uh, spending so much money on video mm. games. I used to tell her at least I'm not buying drugs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep. Yes. You didn't, didn't like that. So. <laughs> you know. Thank you. Moms, Thank you for... Am I right? <laughs> Thank you for that. That uh, that definitely brings a lot more motivation into my life. I feel like all of your answers have my game development journey and my 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 journey in life that has revolved around video games. Um, all of your answers have like there definitely resonated with me uh, at least a little bit. So I'm very grateful for for that. Thank well, you. Thank you for asking. It was fun yeah. to talk yeah. about. No one ever asked those questions. That's that was, yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like like Pat said. I think you know the podcasting part of it. At least you know helped. I mean, we would not know. None of us would know each other. You know, whether it's us three or, you know, I mean, even you know Richard. Like we, if we, we would have never even known you existed if it wasn't for, you know, podcasting or or games or us just trying to find cool interesting people who just share the love and you know whether it's the same way or a different way you know and and i'm very grateful for the friends and people that i've met and the friends that i made doing this right i mean i consider everybody that's part of boss boss rush in general like more of a friend than any of the people i know in real life you know and and it's that bond over gaming, you know? Absolutely. And, and, and mm-hmm. it's Boss Rush that opened my eyes that there are games beyond Zelda. I kind of joke and not joke, but like that's where I ended up really falling in love with indie games. I'm like, I found mm-hmm. kind of my niche. And now, not that I'm like a super powerful influencer by any means, but like now that I am more exposed into the industry, I can share to other people via the podcast all these amazing indie games that maybe the average person just isn't aware of not like on purpose but you know it's same thing with indie authors and indie film people like it's 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 challenging to to get seen so it's great to be able to have an active discussion and share all these wonderful indie games that i've either played or heard about or talked to the developer with so Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people too, like I, I used to like 
it would take a lot for me to play an indie game. That's, you know, and I made it a personal goal of mine to play more indie games. And I think, you know, especially Stephanie play plays a lot of indie games and, and has turned a lot of indie games on to me over the last, you know, what, how long, how long, uh-huh. have been this, I guess. So like, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm still finding new games and learning about new games too, because, you know, I'm, I'm a huge destiny player and like, it doesn't get really any, <laughs> any more AAA than that. Right. Or, horizon or you know even zelda at that point but like finding finding something like ravenlock on game pass or uh n plus plus which is a game that i really adore um or you know it's just games you know they're great they're great Uh, but i think uh i think we're gonna i think we're gonna call it there uh richard thanks for thanks for joining us this was this was awesome i'm i'm glad that we found you and had this great conversation uh do you want to tell people where they can find you or your game if they want to check it out or read up on it or just look at the awesome animations and screenshots that you post all the time (laughs) yeah absolutely um i mean there's there's still a lot of stuff that's currently in progress but um for social media i'm pretty i'm pretty skimpy i don't really use a whole lot um so but you can find me on twitter uh my handle is uh, at uh, bahari richard and uh you can shoot me a message I'm, i'm definitely open for that and and i'm very grateful for this opportunity to have uh this conversation with you guys it uh was it was excellent it was fantastic it was much better than i anticipated um i was very nervous very nervous coming on here and uh you know there's there's definitely that part of me where it's just kind of like i can make an excuse and cancel and i'm glad that i kind of pushed through that and um you know challenged myself to kind of make it here today because i'm definitely one of those uh those closet introverts um so i'm very grateful for the opportunity thank you guys i get it you're always welcome back seriously when you've worked Mm -hmm. hard made some progress want to chat with us again like yeah we're here we want to hear about it (laughs) yeah thank you if it makes you if it makes you feel better i was really nervous reaching out to you as well because like (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of people out there who are developing games who either like Mm -hmm. don't respond or Mm -hmm. unfortunately some people send you a message that's less than uh um positive we'll say so like this i and i think the thing too is like we i this is a unique situation because we're kind of interviewing you in the not the beginning but like still very process your whole yeah your whole process is kind of beginning in terms of where are we putting this you know how long do, where's our timeline at and that's a that's a unique perspective that i don't think a lot of people get because a lot of people developing are so secretive about their games too you know and, and <laughs> this was cool this was, this was great i want to have you back you know when the game is further in in development maybe after the game comes out also to kind of talk about it uh, some more and uh, we'll definitely be playing it and i'm sure one of us will review it and, and have a have an article on the site about it this is great so uh thank you for thank you for coming on thank you everybody for listening and or watching uh you can follow us on twitter at boss rush network at boss rush podcast 
Uh, you can check out all of our content on bossrush.net. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, thank you so much for watching. And until next time, we love you. Goodbye. Bye, friends. Bye-bye. The Boss Rush Podcast is a product of Boss Rush Media, LLC, and is recorded from our headquarters in Akron, Ohio. This show is produced, written, and directed by me, Corey Dierig. My co-hosts are Stephanie Klimov, Laurent Dawkins, and Edward Varnell. You can find Stephanie at Klimov underscore author on Twitter and Instagram, as well as on the EXP cast. You can find Laurent at Exodus803 on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube, and also on Crossroads, the video game podcast. You can find Edward at that retro code on Twitter and Instagram, as well as hosting Nintendo Power Block. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at I am Corey in HD and find me hosting Tower Casuals, the Destiny podcast and co-hosting Nintendo Power Block. Find the Boss Rush podcast on all social media platforms at Boss Rush Podcast. You can also follow Boss Rush Media and Boss Rush Network on all major social media platforms. Join the Boss Rush Network Discord and Facebook groups to interact with other friends and fans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.